What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who has officially given up on Jalen Rager, a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man who has finally, finally let me into one of his startups. I'm talking about at DFF Moose, a.k.a. Mr. Mike McAuliffe. Gentlemen, it has been weeks and weeks since we've done a real show, how are we doing tonight? Not too shabby, especially because I think we got some uh, some news to announce of a, a certain invite to a prestigious uh, competition uh, that we'll be going over today. But uh, I'm doing good, Max. As you said, Jalen Rager, um, best of luck. Uh, you got to know when to hold him, <laughs> know when to fold him, know when to walk away. And uh, that one, unfortunately, I, we, we saw how that one ended. I uh, dropped him in a couple leagues. But you know what, Jalen, best of luck. I, uh, I, I loved loved I loved your early work. So we're going to see what happens uh, with him this season. Yeah, Dan pulled the old uh, offered him to me in trade and then dropped him about 48 <laughs> hours later. Yep. One of the classic the best dynasty move. moves. Hey, exactly. <laughs> got to always give it a shot, but didn't work out this time. How we doing, Mike? I'm doing great, bro. It's uh definitely it's nice to have a day where it's not like what 95 degrees out, sweltering hot. Ooh. It's finally finally a little bit nicer out. Uh, and I was just taking a look too. We're like two weeks out from preseason games, boys. So like as yep. far away as the season seems at this point, training camp's kicking off. Things are starting to get real, real fast. So I yeah. am pumped. I think today is the first day that all teams have all players reporting to training camp. So officially, football is on. Yep. This is when the preseasons, when the Amir Abdullahs and James Washingtons <laughs> of the world make their mark. Oh, and, uh, baby. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> so as Dan alluded to, uh, we got a fun show. We are taking basically a redraft concept and skewing a dynasty because we made it, gentlemen. The dynasty dynamic is in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, we go. drafted the team together. It was an absolute nightmare. I would never recommend anybody tries to get three people to agree on a draft strategy. So about two or 3,000 text messages later, we made it through. And I thought it would be fun today to break down the Scott Fishbowl roster. I'll give you a quick overview on the scoring there because that has a big impact. And then have each one of us kind of skew with a dynasty view on some of these players we selected. That said... Uh, I almost forgot to do this, so I definitely want to mention it before we get back to the Scott Fish stuff. Um, listener League. We are looking to do a Listener League, and we want to do a best ball, super flex, tight end premium, super deep league. So if you're a listener of the show, fan of the show, um, I think the best way to get in touch with us is to DM us on Twitter. Just let us know you'd like to be involved, and we would definitely love to put together a startup. I know a bunch of us are already uh, probably hitting our startup capacity max at this time of year, but uh, would love to get the listeners involved. So before I get back to the Scott Fish Madness, just wanted to get that out of the way. So to kind of quickly do 60 seconds on the Scott Fish Bowl, for anybody not familiar Massive tournament. Huge shout out to Scott Fish for giving us the invite. Thank you so much. All for charity. Some of the best fantasy minds in the world, some celebrities, and whatever. Amateurs like us. I don't know yep. what to call us. We're in there. We're competing <laughs> somewhere <in> with there. <laughs> <laughs> we're competing with the best of the best. But the huge thing here is the rules, right? So the rules are a little bit crazy. At its core, it is a half PPR league and half PPR or half point per first down league. Tight ends get double those points, but where it gets very off the rails very quickly is the scoring for quarterbacks. It really emphasizes, so it is 0.5 points per completion and minus one for incompletion. You also get bonuses for completion percentages. So it really emphasizes accurate quarterbacks. It's much more of a who's great in the NFL on a week-to-week -week basis is going to be great in the Scott Fishbowl. Um, rushing quarterbacks still do get some edges, but it is far from the advantages that you get in a traditional league. So we drew the 108, and because quarterbacks are so sought after in this format, Mike, I'm going to let you do the honors. Who did we grab here in the first round? In the first round, we got our boy Joe Burrow as the uh, QB6 here in the draft. So, yeah, I mean – I'm not sure if there's a whole lot to say from a redraft perspective here. Um, you know, this is kind of what you're looking at for where Joe Burrow's usually going uh, at this time of year. 
Um, you know, he's going to be coming in, stepping into pretty much the same situation as last year, except with the fact that they have vastly improved their offensive line. So definitely something to look forward to this year with Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, the weapons that he has and uh, the offense that the Bengals as a whole have just makes you feel real good, real safe going into the year with a guy like Joe Burrow as your QB one, especially in a tournament like this where, you know, you need a guy that's going to last you that whole year, have that um, that high upside. They're in a division where, you know, they're probably going to be able to throw the ball a good amount. Um, I definitely I definitely just feel good about this pick as a very safe but high upside guy who finished QB seven last year and could easily finish better this coming year. Yeah, highly accurate. That was another one of the um, beautiful things to circle on his resume there. I do want to spin it. So we're going to use keep trade cut tonight, gentlemen. And Mike, keep trade cut has Joe Burrow at QB4 with two, I mean, many notable names behind him, but two that really stuck out to me. Now, these are all very close together, but Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are the two names coming off the board after Joe Burrow in keep trade cuts opinion. I know your guy just got paid. I mean, is this accurate? Are you comfortable with Joe Burrow at the QB4 in Dynasty, or do you think these guys should be going ahead of him? You know me, man. I'm I'm always going to try to find a way to put Kyler above uh, anyone else, not you know due to any bias, but because of the fact that I, you look at his finishes over the past few years, I think he was like QB6, QB3, um, and then QB10 this past year. But as far as, I think this is really just a uh, choose, choose your... Um, you know, choose your character kind of deal where it's like, these guys are all in the same, same kind of range for me, same tier. I can't blame anyone for putting, um, you know, Lamar above Burrow, especially from, um, you know, if you're, if you're focusing on a, uh, a shorter term window, cause he's the only guy there that has finished as the QB one. He's won an MVP and, you know, Kyler, definitely that contract helps him a lot. I just definitely think that a lot of people view Burrow as a guy that is going to be in the league for a long time, no matter what. So if you really have that long-term look, the five-plus-year outlook, I guess I could put him above uh, Kyler and Lamar. But I'm probably going Kyler, then Burrow, then Lamar, personally. I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, I was looking at it. You know, there's a bit of projection faked in with Joe Burrow and probably to the outstanding supporting cast that you mentioned of Chase and Higgins because, you know, Joe Burrow two years into the league, and this is points per game, so this is taking into account games that he missed his rookie year, number 18 and number 10. I mean, the last three years, Lamar was uh, number seven, number eight, and number one in his MVP season, and Kyler was number four, number three, and number 11. So yeah. to get those kind of apex seasons from a guy that just doesn't really have any rushing upside. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it's so close and it's a choose your own adventure, but if I'm leaning short term, I think the upside's probably more with the guys that have some running ability. Right. And yeah. especially like Kyler's shown to be a stellar passer. So Dan, any thoughts on the first round pick before I put you on the hot seat? No, I think that's, those are all fantastic points. I probably would be going uh, in a similar way as well. And sometimes like, dynasty value sometimes you'll get people uh, who are emphasizing the short term a little bit more than long term so if you really do feel like it's a very tight race there and you can get a little extra on top for going from one of those rushing uh, qbs that you maybe even want to diversify away from to a burrow i'm all for it because i really do think they're that close all right well second round pick we needed a workhorse points yes, per sir. first down i mean we needed a workhorse so dan why don't you let the people at home know who we took in the second round sure so this is where we saw like a lot of quarterbacks go before us and even some after us so we were able to see a couple good options fall here right we basically saw jonathan taylor and chris mccaffrey go off the board so we had a chance to pick uh the the third rb here and this was mr Najee harris who happened to actually finish RB3 uh, last year. So again, um, when you're looking at the running backs here, you want to snag at least one absolute stud that you can just guarantee is going to have some insane volume that they're going to be able to work off of. Pass catching as well is another kind of key factor. And then honestly being one of the better talents kind of on the team uh, and someone who's going to be dependent uh, on a lot, uh, that's where we felt like Najee Harris just fell into this fantastic role. 
He's got a slew of quarterbacks um, that are going to need to dump off to him at times uh, because the O-line isn't great. I know that's something that people bring up against the uh, the, the rushing, but it also can definitely be uh, kind of mitigated a little bit if he's going to get a lot of dump-off passes from either a rookie quarterback or a quarterback that maybe isn't always prone to being able to throw super down the field. So I think we felt really good about it from a dynasty perspective. Um Najee's way up there, right? I mean, in in some people's opinions, he's kind of falling right behind uh, Jonathan Taylor there. Uh, I certainly have him kind of in the top three and really excited to see what he's able to to do because I think he's going to start to really solidify himself as a talent for years to come. Well, you're kind of leading to the question that I had down for you here, which is, and this is hilarious because I made my notes two days ago and this has since changed. So it just shows you how close some of these races at the top are. Uh, When I looked two days ago, Keep Trade Cut had Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris. Now they have Najee Harris in the two position. So my question to you is, Dan, I know you're a big Swift guy. Yep. If it's your dynasty roster and you have equal shot at both these guys, who are you taking? Man, I mean, I I don't think I when we were making this choice, I campaigned as heavily on Swift in some of the redraft because you know what? I love the talent. I love his situation. I hate the injury uh, issues in history there. I think you could easily see Swift finishing at or above where Najah Harris is, but I need to build in that injury risk. And at this point, Najah Harris hasn't had that problem. DeAndre Swift has. So that's where I really would put them. Um, just uh, I would put Najah Harris first and then DeAndre Swift second. Um, but again, I have it extremely close. Um, and we'll see how it nets out at the end of this year. Because the only ding that I have against Harris, volume, insane. Efficiency, some things to be working on. And his O-line, not better than it was last year. So that's the only thing that's going to be time to tell from a dynasty perspective. However, I still have full confidence in Najah Harris going into this year. Yeah, I mean, he's the archetype of back that I just cannot get enough of in dynasty leagues. And I hear it on the efficiency, but when you get the workload that he did and, you know, some of the um, peripheral stuff like the O-line not being fantastic, Ben not really being able to chuck the ball down the field, I'm willing to look past some of the efficiency stuff as well. Totally. Um, So the third pick, I mean, this should be no surprise. I feel like I've been talking about him on this show and in our sleeper chats for years and years now. Joe Mixon, I mean, we just stacked it up on the Bengals. And really, this just came like it was a draft strategy where we felt the format favored, um, you know, quarterbacks and tight ends and running backs over wide receivers. And we could target them later in the draft due to the scoring. So we were leaning running back and quarterback heavy. And honestly, guys, I don't really have a lot to say about Joe Mixon here. I feel like he is perfectly placed on a lot of these dynasty rankings man it took us years to get to the top of this mountain (laughs) but he is perfectly placed like the names sitting above him are javante williams christian mccaffrey and Brees hall i can see an argument for every single one of these guys i feel like that looks good and then on the downside it's dalvin cook travis uh i'm sorry uh austin eckler and travis Etienne. like i feel like he's perfectly sandwiched i do feel like we may have seen peak Joe Mixon a little bit already. Mm. Like I feel like the season mm. that people like me have been hoping for for five years was last year. Um, so anybody who's pushing him up boards like crazy, I'm not sure I'm with that. Yeah. But for keep trade cut purposes, it feels like he's perfectly placed in the rankings right now. That that I don't disagree with. I think it's hard when you've been waiting on a guy for at least two years to finally crack, and then you see you don't get to buy back those two years later on down the line, yeah. right? Those are those are unfortunately years that are gone. You can't bank on four years of excellent production now just because they they've delayed <laughs> their opportunity. So I love to to see it there where we got him here. It was the I think he was the RB is eight, uh, and he finishes RB four to three depending on your scoring situation there. So. Awesome DLC, that O-line upgrade, just sneaky O-line upgrade uh, across the board for the Bengals because they know they both wanted to protect Burrow and help Joe Mixon out. That is one thing where I think you can look at one more year of maybe seeing a ceiling just like we, uh, we saw last year. All right. Well, we needed another quarterback to cement this build, so we had to target a guy that has inspired a lot of conversation in our personal (laughs) group chats the last couple months. Mike, let us know who came off the board for us in the fourth round. Yeah, man, we took our boy Mac Jones at the the fourth round pick here. Um, You know, we wanted to be able to lock down that QB position, particularly locking down some QBs 
that are known to be a bit more accurate. Uh, and especially with, um, you know, all of us, or at least um, I, I would say that all of us agree that Mac will take a step this year to varying degrees. I think that we've debated on that. But, um, you know, last year, Mac finished as the QB 18 overall. Uh, if you're looking at a points per game basis, that's a little bit more in the mid 20s. But, uh, you know, he played all 17 games. Availability is the best ability. So um, definitely helped him out there. Um he, if you look at the numbers for him, as far as, you know, we view him as an accurate guy. He was, I think, 18th in true complete, uh, true completion percentage uh, per player profiler. Um, but a lot of the underlying metrics that I like with Mac that prove that he is a little bit more than just a dump off, you know, small pass guy. Uh, he was number two in pressured completion percentage. So he has the ability to make the uh, throws in tight windows with, with uh, a lot of pressure on him. Uh, number seven in money throws and number seven in red zone completion percentage. So this is the kind of stuff that, you know, as a Patriots fan watching this every week, seeing him on the field, I definitely see that him with the opportunity to improve heading into this year. Um, I definitely think it's a high possibility that the Pats are going to uh, pass uh, more this year. I think they were 28th last year in pass attempts per game. So I definitely see that improving. Um, you have Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton coming in there. And I just think, you know, they're going to let Mac kind of just uh, unleash his arm a little bit more. You're going to see the yards per pass attempt go up. I think they're going to allow him to take some more chances. Uh, I think the only doubt uh, for myself as far as uh, this year is going to be how the whole Matt Patricia, Joe Judge situation works out, how the offense is going to run, who's calling the plays, stuff like that. That stuff that's typically a concern for next year. As far as a dynasty, dynasty's perspective, I think that, um, you know, Mac is here to stay. I think that they have a plan in place to make him their long-term quarterback. And I think that the job security there is fantastic from a dynasty perspective. And I think that people are definitely still too low on him at this point, especially given he was, you can make the argument for some people want to say Davis Mills. You could definitely make the argument that Mac Jones had the best rookie QB season last year for sure. I would absolutely make that argument. And all the beat reporters, uh, whatever dad bod people were saying he has, has been shed. Yep. Um, That's right. I have one question, and it's not for you, Mike. It's for Dan. Uh, Dan, we have had a lot of chats behind the scenes, and I would like the public to know if you still think Zach Wilson is more valuable in Dynasty than Mac Jones. Because once upon a time, I think you were slightly leaning that way. I was, and I mean, it's it's always hard because they were in this cluster that was really hard to kind of pry apart, right? We had a lot of underwhelming seasons from a lot of the quarterbacks that came out there, and Mac was kind of sitting on top. You saw some really nice investments um, in the Jets over the past year, uh, and I think there's still some kind of elements of a deep ball that I really do like with Zach Wilson as compared to Mac Jones, but... I say this all leading up to the fact that I definitely have Mac Jones higher in a dynasty ranking format uh, over Zach Wilson right now because there are some intangibles that I value more than some of the tangibles uh, that we're seeing from Zach Wilson. Leadership qualities, improvements year over year. Um, the pieces that Mac Jones is going to be working with over the course of his career are only going to improve. We're going to build up that that room for him there. Um, so what he's been able to prove with very minimal resources, I- I'm sold. I'm in. I'm on the, I'm on, I'm mm-hmm. on the Mac Jones train. I love it. Well, Mike, just uh, I'm going to light the fire now because we're going to get to this discussion later, but the uh, supporting cast and a certain member of that supporting cast being ridiculously underrated in Dynasty. Just keep it in the back of your mind, Mike, yep. so that we can go crazy a course, little bit later in this conversation. <laughs> Got <it>. So <laughs> went back to the running back well, and this is where, you know, first four rounds felt pretty chalky like any other redraft league you're in. But this is where maybe we started to lean for some of the upside. So, Dan, let the people at home know where we went with the round five pick. Absolutely. So with this round five pick, uh, I mentioned Zach Wilson getting some weapons on his team, and this is probably one of the best ones that he's going to be able to utilize uh, going into this next year uh, to hopefully help improve himself and his Brees Hall. Um, we just talked about Najee Harris, freshman uh, rookie back coming in, working with a, uh, a workload there, uh, finished RB3. 
Brees Hall, in, in my opinion, is actually a better overall prospect uh, than Najee Harris. Not by much, but I mean, basically looking at the uh, the opportunity he now has to be able to get some serious volume. Um, you have got a wide receiver room that's solid and steady, but in my opinion, is not going to be uh, one that's going to be leaned on like just out of the box a ton. I think you're going to be having, again, a rookie quarterback who struggled last year trying to make sure he's just marching down the field a little bit, and you're so you're going to get some of these dump-off passes. Or you're also going to get Brees Hall, who just goes insane on the field from a rushing perspective as well. So, I mean, looking at it now, he was, he was our RB1 uh, ranked from a dynasty perspective for this, this incoming rookie year. Um, so to be able to get him now as our third running back that has, again, total top 12 upside uh, and even, again, some serious top five upside when it comes to his production this year, we're super stoked on it. So from a dynasty perspective, I know we've belabored it a bunch. I probably won't spend too much more time talking about him there other than the fact that, I mean, in a lot of people's opinions, he's sitting top 10 um, in dynasty rankings as it is without having taken a snap. Dan, we've been doing a lot of shows. We've done too many shows together because you are easily leading into my questions here. Is Brees Hall already a top five running back in Dynasty? Top five. Top five. No, not yet. I can't put you top five if I haven't had a single bit of NFL production. Um, Can he be there very soon in the first two weeks after I see how things are going along? Potentially. Um, And I'm not saying he's far outside of it. But I think there are a few guys that I would still uh, be, and I'd have to probably think through it a little bit, but I would definitely say there's mm-hmm. probably five guys that I could put ahead of them from a dynasty perspective. Um, but probably not seven. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, he's sitting, he's sitting at six on keep trade cut right now. Oh, and man. depending on how you go, I don't think it's egregious at all to say that with the five-year difference in the injury history, you could take him over Christian McCaffrey, right? If it's, yep. if it's a super flex league and they might be going in the second round versus having to sink a first-round pick into that guy that's never stepped on the field, I can totally see it. I mean, below him... You know, Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook, I'm pretty sure that you're taking those guys. I know you, Dan. I'm pretty sure you're taking Brees all over those guys. Am I wrong? I mean, you're not. That's the that's the murky area. So you're yeah. right. I mean, I, I can't say it with full stamp of approval in, in full hearts, but I is there a world where I could put him ahead? Yeah, yeah, there probably is. I mean, I've got Javante Williams up ahead. I've got uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. I've got... Um, Najee Harris, Rashad Penny, yeah. <laughs> Rashad, Rashad <laughs> Penny, easily. So yeah, it's it's it is funny and it is kind of wild. Just given the fact that we've seen we we missed out on some prime years of so many young uh, running backs: J.K. Dobbins, uh, Cam Akers, uh, Travis Etienne. Some of them more years than others, right? But still, those it's kind of wild where Rashad the old Penny. guard in the like <laughs> who's just outside or inside there were Shad Penny, seriously, or just <laughs> inside or outside that old guard. You don't usually see those types of names who are as old as they are sitting just outside of the top five or even inside the top five. So we're gonna see a, a real change this year, which again is just a reminder to all mm-hmm. the listeners: make that change now, earn back two to three years uh, because you're going to see three to four to five of those guys slide from five through 10 all the way outside of it. It'll be, it'll take a lot for some other player to dethrone Rashad Penny as our mascot for this show. (laughs) Just just putting it out there, man. Things are, things are looking on the up and up. We'll see. I know. Shout out. I mean, so sad. Shout out to Chris Carson. One of the best late round running Mm -hmm. backs, like seventh round pick. I mean, talk about smashing expectations absolutely brutal to see the news break about him today so i mean just like those are the guys you want to root for and just right? such a sad blow he ran with so much heart it, like and honestly just one of the most fearless runners i've ever watched so it was just he was so fun to watch uh we love chris carson he was, he was always fun <laughs> so i'm gonna bring us to the sixth round here and as much as I tried to structure this in a way that you guys would get guys I knew that you wanted to talk about, I got Mike's guy here, which I also loved. Talk about him on our first ever show that Dan and I did, Terry McLaurin. And I'm just calling it right now, breakout year for Terry McLaurin. Like yep. we've been waiting for it. The The advanced metrics are there. And you know we're going to get to another player in one round that is pretty much this same type of mold. Like, he is finally getting, I mean, it's a QB upgrade. I'm not saying it's the upgrade we wished for, but I mean, he is finally getting a QB upgrade. So 
I love taking a swing on Terry McLaurin in the mid rounds this year. And again, another guy that just pulling up keep trade cut right now feels properly valued to me if I can find him on the paper right now. Yeah, I mean, he's sitting in that, you know, and I mean, it's actually an interesting list of guys ahead of him. Drake London, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson, and Terry McLaurin. I mean, that's the range we're looking at in Dynasty. And I feel like he just has... Dan, why are you making a funny face when I read that list? I don't know. Something doesn't sit right with Drake London. Again, a guy who should not be above some of those guys with that type of production. Um, Over a couple years, once he proves it, can he get up to that point? Absolutely. Um, But he's got... I get it. I love love Marcus Mariota. I'll, I'll say that every single time. But he's got Marcus Mariota's quarterback. I don't know. It just it, that did, that didn't sit right with me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make the face. But and I love Drake London. But we're talking Terry McLaurin again. Always a little bit disrespected and undervalued. And while he maybe feels better valued in those that list, there's always a couple that I'm like, man, that's wild. Yeah, your your words said um, Marcus Mariota, but your eyes said Desmond Ritter. So <laughs> I agree with you though. Um, I I mean, I think Drake London's going too high everywhere. I mean, we, we talked about this in rookie drafts. Like, I was trading out of anything that wasn't Brees Hall mm-hmm. in these rookie drafts. Yeah. Like, the this class was so dragged down by the lack of running back and quarterback talent in the Superflex format that, like, absolutely not. I'm not spending the 102 or the 103 to get Drake London. Like, I like Drake London, the player, but I totally agree with you, Dan. Like, they have him listed as wide receiver 14, number 38 overall in super flex formats. Um, you know, let's not slam him too much. Cause we might bring him up again later. <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, uh, I know. I know that's that, again, well, well, there's plenty of reasons to like Drake London, but there's also a reason why we didn't take Drake London here. Right. So that's, that's the thing. Yeah. So I, like I said, to circle back, breakout year i'm ready for it he's been sitting in that like mid wide receiver two range or like late wide receiver two range in points per game and i'm just ready for the terry mclaurin ascension so let's keep the wide receiver train going and mike let the people at home know who we grabbed in the seventh round yeah man so we're looking at another another wide receiver that perpetually has had some QB issues and I was definitely glad to take him here at the uh, wide receiver 25 overall in our in our uh, Scott Fishbowl draft We're talking about Allen Robinson so you take a look at last year definitely just uh, if you're asking me I am chalking it up to a mulligan for Allen Robinson he came into a year where he knew that Matt Nagy was his coach, that Andy Dalton was going to be starting over the guy that they just took number 10 overall, I believe, uh, in Justin Fields. And, you know, I, I think a lot of, it, there were some injuries along the way that I think piled up some frustrations that things just never, ever, ever got going for Allen Robinson last year. Yes, you can look at all the metrics and see that, you know, technically on these routes, he was, you know, getting targeted less or whatever. I think that it was just a weird year coming off of back-to-back wide receiver one seasons for Allen Robinson. So, uh, you know, the Rams called him up, said we'll give you $46 million over three years. That's the kind of deal that tells me that this is a guy that's going to be heavily, heavily involved in the offense that just won the freaking Super Bowl. So uh, I just feel great about him going into this year. The three-year deal helps from a dynasty perspective. Uh, you know, at this point, Allen Robinson, I think in about a month or so, he turns 29 years old. So very quickly, we're going to see the uh, the tide turn with that. He is going to become the kind of wide receiver that is not going to net you a lot in the trade market, but his production can absolutely um, supersede whatever whatever dynasty value is given um, a la a Keenan Allen type. So I definitely, I feel good about him heading into this year. I see him getting anywhere from seven to nine targets a game easily, not easily, uh, could, could happen. And I think that he could end up with some of the highest touchdown totals he's seen in over seven years. I think it was 2015 Mm. was where he absolutely went off and had 14 touchdowns. But since then, his best season uh, was in 2019, where he had seven touchdowns. I could easily see him passing that, and that would put him into wide receiver one, low end wide receiver one range. In this type of offense, why wouldn't you want to take a guy, uh, take a chance on a guy that just had one really down year last year? So, 
I like it. If you're in Dynasty and you can buy low on him still, I think it's probably too late to do so. Um, but yeah, I love I love Allen Robinson heading into this year. First of all, Mike, I think this is a great analysis. Second of all, it is not too late. I'm here to tell you that it's not too late because the people, the good folks voting in these keep trade cut polls would rather have the man we once affectionately nicknamed the pool boy on this show. (laughs) Shout out to John Gruden. People would rather have Hunter Renfro in Dynasty than Allen Robinson. And this is insane to me. Absolute Um, blasphemy. (laughs) And and listen, like Hunter Renfro, sneaky, productive guy, you know, one of those dudes that just wins with nuance all over the field not a fantastic athlete but i think you said it perfectly mike like if you're a dynasty owner that's competing like you want this like let's even put it at a one to two year window with Allen robinson i mean you can get him in the hundred plus pick range it just feels like a smash i mean odell beckham barely practiced with that team last year and started making an impact exactly that's yeah that touchdown score Seriously. It, it was wild. So seriously, just having another guy who's able to have touchdown upside like that throughout the entire year. Um, Mike, you were talking about like all the metrics, etc. cetera. Uh, and we even saw Alan Robinson tweeted out when people were calling him out. He got 66 targets, I believe, um, last year, which is just absolutely stupid, insane when it compares to the 151 that he had prior. Like that is, yes, the, yeah. I think he missed four games total. Um, but it's just absolutely insane how much he was underutilized at that point. And I, honestly, I think it was a lot of front office like issues. I think he probably was even like ha- seeing some issues with just the coaching and stuff in general. So his efficiencies and just his utilization overall is why he's sitting where he is right now. Like he just was underutilized by the team. So there's a huge opportunity with now a team that very clearly wants to work with them uh, to see the bounce back. All right. Well, this is where it might get dicey for yours truly. Luckily, this uh, this um, wheel of fortune did not land on me. So we padded the stats at the quarterback position with what I think we all feel like is a great value. It's going to be very interesting when we, when we spin this to a dynasty perspective. Dan, let us know the man we chose in the eighth round. So in the eighth round, we decided to go with Mr. Justin Fields, a guy who I think we were all pretty darn high on uh, going into um, his first year there and have been slightly underwhelmed, but also continue to see the the forest through the trees here on what his potential could be, right? Uh, especially when it comes to the rushing upside that he can have there. I know we said that at some point they're kind of like buffed, but at this point it was either take a risk on someone else that you think might have some accuracy, which is always quite hard to predict unless you're at like the top of the top of those who have proven it over and over again. Or can you take a kind of risk on someone who is going into their second year, can develop a little bit more, is establishing more chemistry with his overall team, and still has some of that rushing upside that could easily jettison them um, ahead of some of the guys who are lower on the uh, accuracy side of quarterback, right? So it was kind of a you hope that there's only that he can only go up from where he's been. And so, as you said, like throughout some of these things, we're in a a competition where you got to hit on upside throughout a lot of these picks in order to really separate yourself from some of the other guys. And Justin Fields, like we, we, we really loved him as a prospect. So to ding what honestly was a very dysfunctional organization against him again in his first rookie year um, to now hoping that he's going to be able to overcome some of that. I'm still not a huge fan of some of the weapons that they put in front of him, right? They, they did not invest um, in many, uh, weapons to be able to support him there. Honestly, probably similar to how some Pats fans were feeling too when all the bonanza was going on with all the free agent signings and draft, etc. Right? But at the core of it is is very passionate dude uh, who is very talented. And again, when you can get him as your QB three and kind of just shoot for a little upside when we have two guys in Burrow and Jones that we feel very confident in going forward, uh, it was a no brainer pick. In Dynasty, it's going to be super interesting to see because it's it's kind of wild. I believe in, in Trey Lance, but we have seen very minimal production from him, and he is at worlds uh, uh, ahead and away uh, from where Justin Fields is being ranked right now. And I get it. There's a supporting cast type of thing. But if I'm able to in certain scenarios, I really am starting to put out some feelers on Justin Fields because this could be the blow-up year. Dan, I'm going to just summarize it in one little dichotomy on keep trade cut right now. 
Would you rather have Justin Fields, who they currently have a QB 13, or Mac Jones, who they have a QB 16? Man. I mean, in my opinion, I'm going to follow our, our draft rankings right here. I'm taking Mac Jones over Justin Fields until proven otherwise. Um, we saw great things from Mac Jones. Not to say that we can't from Fields, but you got to price that in, man. You can't just, just because he's even quasi-Konami code, which I know can be very useful, you can't, you also got to look at what that floor was, like that true basement floor uh, for a lot of his stuff last year. I saw some encouraging things at the end of last year, right? Things started to pick up. That's why we picked him as our QB3. But there's also reason why we didn't pick Justin Fields at the 408 <laughs> and let him fall a little bit because we knew that everyone else would let him fall. I wouldn't, I, I would have to put Jones over Fields. This is the ultimate test in dynasty leagues of seeing who people are comfortable with as a QB two, right? Do you go with the rock solid guy that should be a phenomenal passer for, you know, the years to come from what I've seen, or do you go with the guy that has that rushing upside? Like could be a game breaker. Like apex outcome is a Lamar Jackson level thousand yard rushing season. For right. Sure. But I think here, Here's the thing you're not taking into account, Dan. I thought a lot about this. And so just I'm just going to throw some numbers out to you. Yep. 6'2", 228 pounds, 90th percentile college dominator, 93rd percentile college target share, 18.7, Dan. 18.7 year breakout age. Nikhil Harry's a bear, man. I'm just saying, <laughs> Nikhil Harry That's wonderful. is oh, on man. the bears. You just listed a <laughs> bunch of stats that supported someone from college, and now you're going to say it definitely means it's going to it's going to be something. I don't know. I think some of us Nikhil... are still believers, Dan. Hey, some of I us are still believers, and there's a reason at the core of it. Right, right. Well, we we chose fields here, but until I see some of those things click, I've seen at the highest level, the Bears organization is a struggle bus right now. And I've seen some great prospects go to terrible organizations or coaching and just never, ever, regardless of what they ever did in, in college, see their potential. So I feel you. I feel you. And maybe the Nikhil Harry breakout happens because, man, a lot of dynasty owners would be super uh, vindicated by it. But I'm, I'm holding my breath until then. Someday this will be a video show and people can see that I'm genuinely smiling about Nikhil Harry right now. And shout out, shout out to Ethan, because I know he loves when I bring either our personal text messages or stuff that happens in our sleeper chat to the show. <laughs> Had a great comment the other day where he saw me pick up Nikhil Harry while dropping Jalen Rager. And he said, this is the saddest ad drop I've seen in a while. <laughs> so I'm here for you, Nikhil, keeping the flame lit. But unfortunately, we have to move on to another wide receiver. So, no. God, I'm lost now. What round is this? Round nine. Okay. Let's talk about the data scientist fever dream whose name is Drake London. Okay. <laughs> Drake London feels very polarizing in the dynasty community right now. We are two months removed, Dan. This was one of my favorite bits when I was listening to old shows of you and I covering the news when everybody was like, well, he just uh, had all these contested catches. He's Nikhil Harry, okay? And now <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, he's, you know, top 12 wide receiver in Dynasty, unquestioned number one in the class. I just think it's so interesting that to get back to what you were saying, Dan, like, you know, first of all, it's going to be so interesting to see this season. I feel like we've projected a lot of upside with this pick and the next pick, right? Hoping yep. to kind of run into some of this upside that helps you win some. I mean, there are 2,500 teams in this tournament, right? You have to take some risks. Um, I mean, him competing with Kyle Pitts for target share. I mean, they're really, you know, mostly the game in town, the Twin Towers. Like if that offense is at all competent, he should step in and see a yep. decent target share. And all of the, you know, all of the profile stuff is there, but to spin it dynasty, which I think is the much more interesting conversation. Like people are taking him over Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, like neck and neck with DJ Moore. Who's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I'm just not there. I, I think that there's enough holes in his profile, some indis some injury, um, you know, never really played a full season in college. Like, is he, you know, one one of these wide receivers, two of these wide receivers in the top five are going to miss. And I don't think I feel like anybody's a sure thing. So we are leaning upside with Drake London here. But in Dynasty, man, the cost to get rookies this year is just so high because of the lack of skill position talent. Yep. Nope. Don't disagree. You already saw my, some of my surprise uh, when we were talking to McLaurin earlier. So 
Um, from a, a redraft perspective, though, opportunities are totally wide open, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, you take that swing, and it'll be very similar conversation for the next guy we're t- going to talk about as well. Well, let's get into it. But I, I really do see it. Like, I see the upside with Drake London, but from a dynasty perspective, such a rich cost right now. So, Mike, give us the other upside play. Who did we go with in whatever round it is? Round 10 right here. Yeah, man. So this is uh, a player that you could argue that we got at a, at somewhat of a discount because of some of the recent reports that have come out about the asthma and the, oh, he's not in good shape and stuff like that. You know, if I was practicing in the Tennessee heat, I don't think that I would I would be able to make it 10 minutes. So Seriously. either way, we're talking Traylon Burks here um, for for us three. It was it was between Drake London and him uh, the whole way for who's the better wide receiver in this rookie class, I feel like. Um and yeah, getting him at, at the uh, wide receiver 44 overall in the draft here. Um, I think from a dynasty perspective, we all definitely like uh, what we saw. The, the Titans clearly have a plan in place for this guy giving up A.J. Brown uh, to go get him. Um, and he's probably going to immediately slot into that wide receiver one role. I'm sorry to all you uh, Robert Woods people that are seeing the beat reports coming out. I think that he's going to be a great part of that offense. But the man is 30 years old coming off an ACL tear. Um, I think that this is definitely going to be um, uh, it, it just it, he's going to have the opportunity to make it happen and outperform his ADP here. This is a guy at Arkansas. His last two years was averaging almost 100 yards a game and, and a touchdown a game. So that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of talent um, that I want to be able to take a chance on in, in a uh, tournament like this uh, where you have to, you know, get the high upside guys. And he's our wide receiver four here. So I just think that, you know, his his ADP dipped. Um, because of some of the uh, the reports coming out, I think that right now is still a time to buy low before things start looking up for him. Um, I definitely feel good about Traylon here at uh, at the number at the tenth round pick. So, all right, I'm gonna do round robin here because this has come up in our group message, and I don't know if we've really fully addressed it. So why not do it on the microphones, Dan? Knowing what we know now is. Traylon Burke still your wide receiver one in this rookie class? I I can't say I still have any reason not to have him be. Like we're we're gonna find out, and a lot of that's gonna shake out afterwards. I know this asthma thing came up, and then Beat Report came out today, being like the team's actually quite fine with where he's at on some of this stuff, and he was making some great catches, and conditioning is something that they've noted, but like it's yeah, I think I think I'm all right with that. I want to trust the process here. Will I readjust afterwards once I actually see some NFL gameplay? Of course. But I've tried to make sure that I'm not taking training and camp beat hype too much into account uh, when I'm making large moves with my my rookie rankings there. Um, otherwise, a lot of people would have seen Jamar Chase fall out of their rankings. They would have seen, not out of the rankings, down their rankings. Same thing with uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase couldn't catch uh, a ball if it didn't have white stripes. Uh, Justin Jefferson was behind, I believe, um, BC Johnson uh, during beat report stuff. I, you got to stay stay true to it. So us getting him here again, I'm stoked on. You look at some of the other guys, and again, from the redraft perspective, you see Amon Ross St. Brown, Gabriel Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, like Adam Thielen. All these guys are very likely not the, the first um, targeted wide receiver on their team. You get guys like Drake London and Traylon Burks, they seriously can be uh, the most targeted wide receivers on their team. So I just feel like it was great value. Uh, and when it comes to the Burks versus London, yeah, I'm going to hold strong. Uh, I, I do believe that he is an extreme talent, and we're going to see what he uh, is able to uh, to do for us this year. Mike, same question, buddy. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I always had London slightly ahead of Burks. Um, so I, I think I would still stick to that. I like his profile a bit better. Um, I just think that he profiles a little bit more like the type of guy that's just going to be a target hog, be able to be used all over the field. You were seeing him catching screen passes in college, um, as was Burks. Um, but I just, I think that the potential for them to possibly, you know, this year might be kind of rough from a dynasty perspective. Um, they have a great opportunity to possibly land a shiny new QB next year. Uh, that definitely, you know, it's it's a more um, pass-heavy offense as compared to the Titans, although that could change with, uh, we'll see how Derrick Henry's career continues over the next three years and if they start to, uh, you know, focus on the pass a little bit more in Tennessee. But give me Drake London by a hair at this moment, um, as I had before. 
Fair enough. I, I think you're both smart to stick to your guns here. And I can totally see, I still have Burks one. And I mean, maybe the analytics heads are going to, you know, tear me a new one. But for me, they're both so close and there's so many things to like, right? Drake London feels like the more just kind of polished twin tower guy out there, like ridiculous breakout age. I mean, eight games last year and close to 1100 yards, like just on a tear his junior season. I think the upside with Burks is just like these types of guys that are this big that move like that with the ball in their hands and do it in the toughest conference in college football. Like that carries a lot of weight with me. Like there was nobody else teams needed to worry about or that teams need to worry about on that Arkansas team. Like it was Traylon Burks and he still went out and did what he did. So I'm kind of with Dan. I'm trying not to let any of this stuff get to me. I think it's a super close race anyway, which is why you saw a lot of the people that like couldn't pick between them were like, well, Garrett Wilson's probably the safest one to not be a miss out of these three. So I'm going to put him as wide receiver one. But um, I think it'll be very interesting. Both guys that could just have due to situations and, you know, potentially some teams that are constantly playing from behind some big, big target numbers this year. But Finally had to grab a tight end. Uh, we actually were trying to get, wasn't it George Kittle, I think, in the fifth round, and we got sniped by whoever was ahead of us. So had to kind of go, which is my preferred route anyway, had to go dumpster diving for the tight end position. Obviously, there's no better man to introduce a tight end than Dan. So Dan, let us know where we went with the upside play here. This, this one was fun because I feel like we... Uh, we're continually talking about this guy, I think starting round like nine. And they were like, maybe we'll see if he falls a little bit more because they, everyone's <laughs> so low on him. And then we get to the round 10. Uh, okay, maybe maybe just a little bit more. Maybe we'll just wait <laughs> him a little bit more and then we'll see what happens. I, we could not. I, I was going to, I was going to uh, explode if we did pass on him <laughs> one more time here. And it is our, uh, it's our boy Noah Fant. Noah Fant here at the 11.05. Uh, fantastic value in my opinion fantastic value in my opinion <laughs> uh, <laughs> um dude it's it's wild i don't know i i made some jokes early on where noah fant was dead to dead to dynasty because now he got traded to the seahawks and you had uh drew lock follow him out there he finished uh, tight end 12 with drew lock last year uh and he finished uh tight end eight the year before then and now we're seeing him, for whatever reason, now on, like, I, I don't know. I like coaching g generally just as much with the Seahawks. He's playing with the same exact quarterback that he did uh, had tight end 12 season with. I don't know. It just, I, I feel in my heart of hearts, we are super undervaluing Noah Fant this year. And seeing other guys, I think I was checking keep trade cut. Irv Smith somehow, some way, is ahead of him right now. What the heck is going on? I don't get it. We were always talking about Hawk and Noah Fant as these two massive kind of guys coming out there are going to be fantastic. And you saw uh, Hawk finish, I think he had a, a top five season, and then he's kind of buffered out too. But now for whatever reason, he's tight end five, and you have Noah Fant on keep trade cut at tight end 14. Cole Komet, he hasn't had any seasons like that started. I don't get it. That's the one. It, it, this is the one I'm probably most passionate about because there are so many people that are going ahead of him that are like these, oh, maybe it could happen. What a dream. Like, you got one dude who has two top 12 finishes and probably has not even begun to see his full potential being ranked outside of those guys. So I loved it for our redraft perspective, and I really love it from a dynasty perspective. I just traded uh, Hunter Henry straight up for uh, Noah Fant in one league, and I could not be happier it. about it um, because you, people man. are Jeez. just not seeing the value there. 24 Dan years old. plays in these jabroni leagues that he refuses to let us into where he makes trades <laughs> like that. He can't fit any more jabronis in. <laughs> exactly. Jabronied out. Oh, man. Uh, but, Dan, yeah. again, you just golf clap for you tonight because my exact note on this was tight end 13, what is the world coming to? I mean, <laughs> Noah Fant, who competed with TJ Hawkinson in college, right? That's yep. always the context you need here. Um, I mean, he was Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts came into the league, who I'm contractually obligated to mention at this point is still going wildly way too high in startup <laughs> drafts. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like the list of guys ahead of him, Mike Kosicki, Dawson Knox, Cole Komet. Like, I mean, even Dalton Schultz, who I do like, but it's going to be very interesting to see if defenses like just having to focus on him and CD lamb. Now, if he runs into the same type of production that he did yep. last year, 
Um, yeah, I think that uh, you said it perfectly. Noah Fan is a huge value in Dynasty right now. And another guy that's probably even a better, better value in Dynasty. Mike, I told you to get fired up for this one. <laughs> I mean, in round 12, to stack with a guy that we all believe is going to take a step forward, Jacoby Myers is probably from what I can see the most disrespected wide receiver in the dynasty game right now. I mean, I was way too busy looking at the tight end. So I have to quickly flip back to wide receiver. I mean, he's not even on the first page of keep trade cut. Like this is egregious. They're showing me melatonin ads and I can't even find <laughs> Jacoby Myers. Put you to sleep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Seriously. this is, this is just absolutely ridiculous. They have him at wide receiver 62, player number 172. I've already fired up, Mike. I'm going to give you some words on this because I feel like this has been one of the favorite players that you and I have been pounding the table for for like six plus months. Yeah, man. I just think that people, for some reason, are just kind of viewing Jacoby Myers um, as a guy that just like hit, ran into targets in that last year was some sort of fluke in that – you know, a guy doesn't get over 100 targets as a mistake. Like, that doesn't just happen. Just because he's undrafted does not mean that he has not earned himself the role that he now has in this has in this Pats offense, which is the undeniable go-to slot wide receiver, which in New England, hello, has that not been one of the most valuable? Yeah. I know you're talking, we're talking Tom Brady here, but Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, guys like that, New England has shown a willingness and in preference to have the slot wide receiver be a huge part of their offense. I see him. He could easily have another hundred plus uh, target season. Um, you know, people are talking about Devonte Parker coming in, uh, which I put as a pro for Mac Jones, which hopefully that um, it, that signing is going to work to their advantage. But I don't think that he's going to take anything away from Jacoby Myers role and God forbid the guy actually stay healthy for more than a couple games this season. So I just, the fact that he is in the 60s from a dynasty perspective for a guy that's what he's going into his his third year in the league now i i fourth yeah just had his third so uh yeah i just i don't get it i don't get it at all and i will keep taking advantage of it as long as it's happening i guess <laughs> yeah this this one is egregious just so bad and yeah. you know dan's wearing this jersey right now i mean he's turned into New England's version of Tyler Boyd. I mean, granted, Tyler Boyd had a much better profile coming out of Pitt, but just a guy that, you know, not a fantastic athlete, like always just gets the job done, just goes out there and wins on routes, gets open and gets the ball. And another guy that's just like going to continue to de develop rapport with Mac Jones. Like this yeah. just feels, feels like a no brainer for redraft and an even bigger no brainer in dynasty, considering I couldn't even find him on the first page of keep trade cut. So <laughs> It's um, it, it. The only thing I just was a really quick. It is wild that he probably might be it, from recent memory the cheapest wide receiver one of any offense that you're going into this year. Like you've got so many other ones that are probably worse offenses than the Patriots are going to be. But for whatever reason, you have their wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, even sometimes wide receiver threes going ahead of them. It is just stupid. So I, I, I think Alan Lazard would like a word with you, Dan, but I don't have the draft board up Ooh. to uh, Alan, to prove it. Alan Lazard went well ahead of oh, uh, wow. Jacoby Myers here. I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah. What a world we live in. All yeah. right, let's, let's close <laughs> it out here. We got, we got three more and um, had to go back to the well on tight end. So right. former Noah Fant teammate, Mike, who do we go with here? Yeah, man, we uh, we went for Albert O at this point in the draft. So I think, you know, we felt felt good about taking Fant at that value, and it's nice to be able to just back him up with a guy that we think um, he's definitely uh, – Albert has had some some huge hype in the Dynasty um, community and Redraft too with uh, Russ coming in. Um, but definitely this is a higher upside play. We got him as a tight end 18 overall. Um, and, yeah, it, it, this is the type of guy where you can't really necessarily look – at the uh, the total statistics over the past couple of years that he's been in the league because he's had Noah Fant playing in front of him, playing 80 to 95% of snaps any given week, um, you know, commanding, I think Fant's drawn like 90 targets a season. So there's not going to be that much room for an opportunity for a guy like Albert O quite yet. And usually you don't see tight ends breaking out until about their third season in the league. So it kind of seems like the stars are just aligning right now for Alberto to have a huge season with Russ coming in, 
you know, his, his profile is great. He's an athletic freak off the charts on everything when you're looking at player profiler. Um, I just think it's the type of guy that, that why draft a Kyle Pitts in the second round of this type of tournament when you can wait so long for the type of guy that is going to have um, what I believe he's going to have some huge blow-up weeks and really be able to slot in as a spot starter for you. So um, I felt good about this pick at ADP. And, I mean, you're already going to know the names because he's going in the same range on Keep Trade Cut in Dynasty Leagues right now. I mean, people would rather have Trey McBride, to me, which is absolutely crazy. Wow. Um, Irv Smith, another guy that's still ahead of him. Mike Gesicki, Dawson Knox. I mean, I'm I'm not saying, you know, once you get into this, like, Goddard, Komet, Knox, Gesicki range, like, I feel like, whatever, choose your fighter. You know, there's yeah. some nuanced conversation to be had there. But just opportunity galore in what should be a great offense, a guy that was even still commanding. I mean, he had 33 receptions last year, like still commanding targets while sharing the field with Noah Fant and all those other guys. Um, I love the upside here. The next player, I did actually make a note, so I'm going to ask Dan if this is okay. I just put, can we skip this one, Dan? This is uh, our our 14th round pick, Jamison Crowder. (laughs) Do we have to talk about Jamison Crowder in Dynasty? In Dynasty, no. The only thing that I'll quickly, quickly say is he's a guy that if you're probably going to see a couple nice games come in the early part of the season, powerful offense, narrative you can build, sell the heck out of him uh, after a couple things like that happen. Because he is he's a guy who has finished, he has four top 40 finishes in the last six years. Something's going to happen. He's going to have a blow-up game. You take advantage of that, sell the offense, and then sell out of him. He's a great dude, but I, I, I'm out on Dynasty. I'm pretty yeah, sure he's I already mean, I just, too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and listen, I, I drafted Jamison Crowder. I am old enough to remember drafting a startup where he and Terrell Pryor were both playing oh, for the baby. Redskins. Oh, God, the Redskins. The Washington football team. Correct. I'm just going to uh, leave The that Washington Commanders. That's not getting you fixed mean. in post-production. <laughs> At the time, that At was the time, a correct statement. That was. Um. So I remember when they were both playing for Washington and just a guy that for whatever reason, injuries or other circumstances could just never get it going. And yeah, I mean, in dynasty, like he's one of those guys definitely going outside the top 150, but for this year, you know, tied to this offense, I do think some, there's some legitimate upside, which is what we're shooting for, right? Some of these blow up games or spot starts that you can put them in. Um, I think that's all we need there. I want to close it out with a fun one because I feel like this, this guy has been a fun, like two, three turn rookie draft guy. And I've been pounding the table for Tyler Algier in these drafts. Like at the end of the second, early third, I think you should be taking Tyler Algier. And now we're starting to see some of these beat reporters are saying like, I don't think Cordero Patterson's going to be a running back this year. Like this could be Tyler Algier's job in the 15th round of a tournament like this, where you really need to run into some upside, it feels like a no brainer to me. And it also just feels like a guy who, you know, is, is a solid running back pick when you're going that late in rookie drafts right now. Yep. No, just like we were saying, try and find the the cheapest wide receiver ones that you can target in some of these late rounds. He's one of the cheapest uh, potential RB ones on his team uh, that we could find in that round there. So again, just super, uh, super great value. Uh, and you have to do it because of ambiguous kind of news, maybe an, an uh, offense that is projected to be not as good, but could very well be as good. People were dinging DeAndre Swift because the the Lions were going to be a crap offense and he, he found a way to get by, right? So it's same thing. Cordero the, Patterson got by last year. And exactly. <laughs> so it's just don't, Davis don't use <laughs> the proficiency of the offense to dictate your decisions there, especially in the late rounds, because anything can happen. Only you loved Mike Davis. Yeah, last year. I was yeah. gonna say. I think the only thing that concerns me thing. with with Algier is the fact uh, the Falcons. I've heard they've been they've been thinking about a Mike Davis reunion, but we'll see what happens. So. <laughs> Isn't he on the Ravens? Yeah, the, the Ravens, Ravens would have to drop him. Then he would have to. <laughs> well, the, a lot of the, things the plan have to happen, still could go I have very my much sources. Plan right now. I have my sources. Okay, that's that's what they're telling me. But I like the Algier pick regardless, even with the fact that he might be a handcuff to Mike Davis. That, that would make his real-life career look very similar to his uh, sleeper transaction history career <laughs> in some of our leagues. Yeah, drop, if that, that drop. was to happen. <laughs> All right. 
Well, gentlemen, once we started getting the kickers, which we did grab Justin Tucker, so good job by us. Uh, kickers mm -hmm. are highly flexible in the Scott Fishbowl, and we intend to do that. Um, that was where I thought the fun dynasty conversation stopped. So yeah. that's it for this one. Um, again, never ever recommend doing a three-person owned team where you all have to agree on some of these picks. It is a logistical nightmare, but thank you so much to uh, Scott Fish and everybody involved in this for getting us involved. Again, all for charity. Fantastic event. And uh, let's see if the Dynasty Dynamic can make some noise this let's year. Go. Yeah, baby. Let's go. All right. Well, getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>